We have been reading through the Old Testament. Last week, actually this past week, we have transitioned from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. And it's glorious. It's a glorious transition. God is the same God of the Old Testament as, as He is of the New Testament. Uh, but the New Covenant has better, it's a better covenant with better promises. Better promises. There are beautiful things in the New Covenant because what the Old Testament saints looked forward to has come in the New Covenant. Jesus, the King, has come. The Messiah, the long-awaited King who would come and save His people from their sins has come. The King has come. And Mark's Gospel is all about that theme. The King has come. And And he gives us snapshots of what it looks like to see the kingdom of God come on earth. And Jesus brought it. Jesus is the King and he brought the kingdom on earth. And so last week we looked at, we talked about what is the kingdom of God. Okay, the kingdom of God is the rule of God in the hearts of people. We talked about Jesus proclaiming the message of the kingdom and the kingdom of God coming through. I mentioned four ways that the kingdom of God advances. One is through the proclamation or the declaration of the gospel message, the good news of the kingdom. Jesus, he he gave himself to preaching that message, to declaring the good news of the kingdom. And so that's one way that the kingdom spreads. We also talked about how the kingdom spreads through discipleship. Jesus chose 12 men to be with him, to do life with him, to watch what he did, and then to go out and do just what he did. Okay, so the kingdom expands through discipleship. The kingdom expands through uh, deliverance and healing or demonstration of its power. The kingdom of God, when, when Jesus brought the kingdom, people were healed And people were delivered. People were set free. That's more of a manifestation of the kingdom. Jesus brought that. And so even today for us, as we see people become become Christians and, and become a part of the kingdom of God, we should expect for deliverance and healing in their lives, for freedom, for salvation to occur in their lives. And for them to be a new creation, a new person, where the old is past and behold, all things are new. And Jesus does that. And then lastly, we talked about how the kingdom comes through prayer. In Mark 1, Jesus, it says that Jesus rose early to pray. He, he dedicated himself to prayer, to the proclamation of the gospel. And we see also in the book of Acts how that's, what, that's how the kingdom spread throughout the book of Acts. In the early church, there was prayer, there was proclamation, and the kingdom just, just spread. Okay, And so Jesus brought it. He announced it. When he started preaching, he said, repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. The king is here. The reign of God is here. And so Jesus brought the kingdom. And then we talked a little bit last week about how uh, there's this, what theologians call the already, not yet. So the kingdom is here. Okay. But yet there's still more to come. And that's why you and I, we live in this tension. We live in this time where we, we pray for the kingdom of God to come. We proclaim the message of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom of King Jesus who laid down his life for his people to save us, to redeem us, to make us new. And, and, and we expect the kingdom of God to, to come fully when Jesus returns. And so as Christians, we, uh, we often uh, don't experience the kingdom like we think we should. 
or maybe like as much as God wants us to. And so in this parable, in Mark chapter 4, Jesus gives a parable of four different responses to the message of the kingdom, the gospel message to the word. So I'm going to read that. We're going to dig into that. Join me in prayer. Father, thank you for your people, for your message, and for your presence here with us. And as we open up the pages of your word, your inspired scripture written for us, I pray that we would hear what you have to say, and I pray that your kingdom would expand right here in us and through our lives. I pray, God, that the work of the enemy would be destroyed, and I pray that you would bring your righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit to our lives, your power to our lives, and that we... God would reflect well what citizens of the kingdom of God looks like, look like being fruitful in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 1 through 20. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, So that he got into the boat and he sat in it on the sea and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some fell among along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Others fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when, he, and when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it was withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Again, other seeds fell in good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said... He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone around with, with the twelve, when he was alone, those around him, the twelve, asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you it has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive. And may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and he takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who when they hear the word immediately receive it with joy and they have no root in themselves but endure for a while but then tribulation and a pers- and persecution arises on the count of the word and immediately they fall away and others are the ones sown among thorns they are those who hear the word but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful but those 
But but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit thirty, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So here's where we're going today in this passage, uh, in this sermon. Uh, the kingdom of God advances in the lives of those who hear the message of the kingdom, receive it, and hold fast to it. Those who hear the message of the kingdom, they receive it, and they hold fast to it. Um, Jesus taught a lot in parables. This was a common uh, way to teach for rabbis, and Jesus himself did this. And um, in parables, for those of you who don't know what a parable is, a parable is... Uh, the word parable is something that is placed alongside something else for the purpose of clarification. Okay, uh, It's also been said that a parable is a, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Okay, It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Um, the, the prop, yeah, so that's a popular definition. Um, and most of Jesus' parables had a focus on the kingdom of God. They were, they were about the kingdom of God. Uh, Warren Wearsby says this, A parable begins innocently as a picture that arrests our attention and arouses our interest. And as we study the picture, it becomes a mirror in which we suddenly see ourselves. If we continue to look by faith, the mirror becomes a window in, through which we see God and his truth. How we, how we respond to that truth will determine what further truth God will teach us. That's a profound quote by Warren Wiersbe on, on parables. Um, another, uh, another writer says that parables are like stained glass windows in a cathedral, dull and lifeless from the outside, but brilliant and radiant from within. To those who are outside of the kingdom and they don't get it, they don't understand it, they're just kind of dull and lifeless and they're not a big deal. But to those who have been invited in, who have ears to hear what Jesus is saying and are willing to hear and willing to accept and embrace and embrace what Jesus has said. These parables and the truths that they teach become beautiful and value, valuable to us because the kingdom and the king has become valuable to us. Okay. And so Jesus was the sower. He was the farmer. He went around preaching. As we read last week in Mark chapter 1, he said, let's go preach. Let's go preach in the other towns for this purpose. I've come forth in Mark chapter 1 in, in around 30, 38. And so Jesus was this evangelist, this preacher going around preaching the message. And he was like a farmer just sowing seed, just sowing seed everywhere he went. Okay, and the seed was the the word of God. Uh, Jesus was the sower. The seed was the word of God, specifically the good news of the messianic kingdom that Jesus, the king, has come, that he has brought the kingdom of God. He was all his teaching. Most of his teaching focuses on the kingdom and he, and he taught about it in parables. But those who weren't a part of the kingdom had a hard time grasping. What does this mean? What does this kingdom look like? It was common for the Jewish people of Jesus' day to expect the kingdom to be a political kingdom that would come in the way of taking out Rome, who was in power. 
That was, that was the common expectation of what it would look like when Messiah came, that he would destroy the Romans and their oppressors right there. And as I said last week, Jesus was more focused in his first coming on overthrowing the oppressor of the enemy in people's lives and sin in people's lives, bringing the kingdom of God and freeing us, freeing his people from within, regardless of what external circumstances they find themselves in. Regardless of who's in political power, the people of God can be free, even in prison, as Paul said. The people of God can be free because the word of God is not chained. And God's people are free. We're free from within. And so that's what it looks like when the kingdom of God comes. It, it brings freedom from within. It brings joy within. It brings peace within. It brings righteousness within to us. The kingdom, the message of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom is powerful to us who hear it and believe it. It's very powerful, so powerful that it changes us. It takes the hardest of hearts and it makes it makes soft, tender, loving hearts that Jesus, through the gospel, he takes murderers and he makes them kind and loving people. He takes thieves. And he makes them generous givers. He takes liars and he turns them into preachers and teachers of truth and wisdom. He takes the immoral and he makes them pure and righteous and holy. And that's what it looks like when the kingdom of God comes in the people's lives. They're transformed. They're changed. Or as Jesus says, there's good fruit that abounds 30, 60 to 100 folds. Because they hear, okay, they hear and they receive it. And there's also this element in where, where Jesus says, look in verse, um, in verse 10, I believe, let's see, uh, actually verse 11. He said, to you, to you it has been given the secret of the kingdom, but, but for those outside everything is in parables. Jesus had this, this, in, this group and they were insiders, they should have felt very special to be there with Jesus, as we should as Christians. That, that, that God would be so gracious to us that he would reveal himself to us. See, there's mysteries of the kingdom of God that are revealed. And if we're a Christian, we're, we're, we're Christians not merely because we decided, I'm just going to be a Christian and follow Jesus, right? Yes, that, that's important. That's an important element of our Christianity, but God has taken the initiative and he has graciously revealed himself to us. And he has broken in into the history of our lives and brought his reign in our lives. And, and he's given us beauty for ashes, joy for mourning, garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He's changed us. He's given us hope. He's given us purpose. He's given us meaning for living. And many of us can testify to that kind of thing happening in your life when you became a Christian. Or maybe after you've been a Christian where, where you have broken pieces of your life and God is just graciously, he, he restores and he heals and he redeems and he uses it for your good and for the good of somebody else out there and for his honor and glory. And so, so what does this parable mean? What's Jesus talking about here? He's the sower. The seed is the word of God, the good news of the messianic kingdom. Uh, and then the soils are are people. They're, 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 they're the hearts of people and how that message is received. 
So there are, uh, there's four different soils. There's, there's, the first one is the, those along the path. There are those along the path where the seed is sown. Uh, and when they hear it, Satan immediately takes the word that is sown in them. So the farmer goes out and he's just liberally sowing a seed. By the way, I, I encourage us to, to have this um, uh, lib- liberality in sowing the seed of God's word. Just share with people everywhere you go. Just sow seeds. Some people, Satan's going to snatch it. And, and they're not gonna, there's going to be no fruit, no, um, no return on it. But that's not your responsibility as a Christian, right? We're, we're to be faithful sowers of the seed. Okay, we sow the seed. Um, I've, I've done a, I'm, this, in Jesus' day, this was a very agriculture culture. So there was a lot of farming going on. So this was very relevant. For, for most of us city slickers in here, we, it, this may not connect with us as much. I mean, some of us might have a little garden or have some compost or have some flowers or whatever. You know, I've done my share of, of planting and, and all it is, all, my share of planting has just been, we want some grass in the front yard. And uh, I'm, I go buy a bag of seed and I'm going to put it out there and I'm going to see what happens. Uh, I realize there's some things that need to happen before you do that, like breaking up the fallow ground. Um, but I remember a couple of times I've bought, you know, 30, 40, 50 bag of seed to sow in our front yard so we can have a nice green yard for the kids to play in and, and have fun. And so when people come over, they can see the nice green grass in our front yard. Uh, and I remember after I had sown, sown some seeds in, in our front yard that this very thing was happening. These, these birds must have thought I was trying to feed them with our seed. And so all of a sudden we have all these little birds in our yard and I'm thinking, I need to get a BB gun. I'm thinking, I need a scarecrow. Some, some, this is not, this is not right. These birds, I paid for that seed. They're going to eat it all up. There's going to be no grass in our yard. What do I do? How do I, I how do I handle this? Uh, and, and this is what Jesus says, you know, that, that kind of um, sowing, right? What happens there is that the birds are like Satan. They come, the seed's sown, people hear it, and Satan just comes and he snatches it. And so it produces no fruit. It's irritating, right? Like, man, that, that, that can produce some fruit. Um, and so, so there, there's a battle when it comes to reaching the kingdom of God advancing and it reach in reaching our neighbors and reaching our friends and reaching our family and our co-workers with the message of the kingdom there is a spiritual battle going on Satan does not want people to hear and grasp and understand and experience the benefits of the kingdom of God okay there's a spiritual battle that the apostle Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 6 uh, and in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, uh, Paul says that the, the, the God of this world, lowercase g, referring to Satan, has blinded the minds of, of the unbelievers so that they, they don't believe. And so they don't see and they don't experience the benefits of the kingdom of God. And so there's, there's that element that's going on. There's this inability, there's this, um, that unbelievers have to, to grasp the kingdom of God, and they need, they need God's divine intervention to help them overcome Satan. 
And they need the prayers of other Christians praying, God, deliver them from the evil one. When I became a Christian, I had family members praying for me. I had family members praying for me. And me and my mom, it looked like life was, was, we were headed for destruction. It was dark. It was difficult days for us. It was actually my, my Uncle Ron. I got my cousin here today, cousin Sean. What's a blessing to have you here, Sean? Um, but he was praying. He was, and he was putting. My uncle Ron was putting us on prayer prayer list, like as many people as he could. Just pray, pray for them, pray for them. And and that, in some way, I think helped protect the enemy from stealing the seed. That that when uh, actually my uncle Ron tricked me me going in the church a couple times. One time, he said it, there was going to be a party. Uh, and he rented a party bus to bring me and friends and other friends uh, to church. And there was a rough group that, that went. I mean, they were smoking pot on the bus to go to this party. And then it was church. We got to church. We're like, oh, this is a party, huh? And it wasn't a party for us. You know, it was in our mind. It wasn't the ideal party for us. You know, sometimes when I invite people to church, uh, people have asked, is, is it a party? And I've said, it's, it's the best party ever. There's a party I'm inviting you to that's better, and it's, it's one that's going to take place in heaven one day. Uh, it's, it's going to be the, the best feasting and the best party ever. I think we all enjoy parties, right? Some of y'all were watching the fight last night and doing some partying. <laughs> the Mayweather fight. Um, uh, we enjoy parties, and God's made us, he's wired us for that. Heaven is described as a big feast in a, in a party that we get to experience one day. And wh- one of the things that's really beautiful about it is there's not going to be any buzz killers at this party. There's not going to be any selfish fighting and, and bickering and, 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 and waking up the next day with hangovers and feeling like, man, why do we do that? You know, it's going to be the greatest party ever because we will be in a world where there is perfect love, where there is perfect peace, where there is perfect justice, and it will be eternal and nothing will hinder or snatch away the, the blessing of that eternal kingdom that we will experience for all eternity. And so we look forward to that kingdom to come. And we want to share that with others. We want others to experience the benefits of the kingdom of God. That's why we do what Jesus did, is we tell others. We're, we're like farmers. We just sow seed. Don't get discouraged because four out of these soils aren't, or three, three out of the four soils mentioned here, uh, there, there aren't good results, right, uh, that, that endure. Uh, and this is one of them. Don't get discouraged if a, if a family member or a friend or coworker hasn't yet responded favorably. Uh, be faith, you be faithful to sow those seeds, pray those prayers, and show the love of Christ to them. And believe. Believe that God's will will be done in their life. Believe for them. Don't lose hope. I, um, as I mentioned last week, got a stepsister where God is just working in her life right now, seeing some beautiful things. We got to hang out with her last night for dinner, and I'm just encouraged by answered prayer that's taking place in her life. Um, uh, so the, the next group there is those that fell on the rocky soil. Verse 16. These are the ones, and Jesus is explaining his own parable here. Now he's doing this with, with the disciples. You know, they get the insider information. They get the, they get the commentary, all right? They get the commentary notes from Jesus. They're like, you know, come on. You, what, you know, they didn't really grasp it, and Jesus is explaining it to them. And by the way, Jesus says uh, in verse 10 or verse 11 that this, is, this parable is key 
to knowing verse 13. Do you do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Okay, so Jesus implies here that this this understanding this parable is key to understanding all the other parables that he he talked about regarding the kingdom of God. Uh, But he went on to explain it to them. He was explaining the mystery of the kingdom of God to his disciples. He revealed it to them. Um, So he's explaining this parable. In verse 16, he says, these are the ones uh, sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. They're enthusiastic. They are charismatic in their expression and their praise. They're getting the praise on. And they have no root in themselves. There's no depth. Um, But they endure for a while. But when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, they immediately fall away. Okay, so as we've talked about here at City Church, we want to be those who go deep. We don't want to just be external and be excited um, uh, uh, fans of Jesus. Okay, we're not we're not just fans of Jesus. We are followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus. And come what may, we're going to we're going to stick it out and we're going to follow him as we sang today, regardless of what comes, whether there's popularity or. Or, or disgrace, whether there's riches or whether there's poverty, whether, whether it's, it's persecution or whether it's honor, we're going to follow Jesus. And for Jesus, th- that audience in the first century, uh, after Jesus died in the, 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 first, the, the early church, it was persecution. There, were many, there was a lot of heavy persecution. There's, there are parts of the world where that's happening right now for Christians, and it's really hard to be uh, a Christian in, in, in those places. Um, but these ones are the, are the rocky soul. They, they, get, they hear it. They receive it with joy. That's good. But they don't let it go deep. It doesn't go deep within them. They endure for a while. When, tri- when tribulation or persecution arises, they, they fall away. Uh, one evangelist uh, describes this. Um, he gives a, uh, an, an illustration uh, kind of exposing the... the, um, the the uh, modern gospel that's preached today to come to Jesus and he'll give you joy, peace and happiness and uh, everything will get better for you. Just follow Jesus. There's, so, so his name's Ray Comfort. He shares the, the, the um, uh, analogy of two guys on an airplane. One's told, hey, put this parachute on. Put it on because your, your flight will get a lot better. If you, just, if, you just, if you just put this parachute on, it'll be a lot better flight. You'll enjoy it. It'll be more comfortable. You'll be happier until you get to your destination. So this guy puts it on, and he is disillusioned. He's thinking, this is, does not feel comfortable. This is like, there's no room in this thing. He gets irritated. The other passengers are laughing at him, like, look at this guy. He has a, he has a, uh, a parachute on. He must be, like, you know, uh, schizophrenic, or he, might, he must be, like, afraid, or he must be, you know, what's, what's up with this guy? Uh, he, he thinks the plane's going down. Um, and so he gets mad and he takes the parachute off and he throws it off and he's disillusioned because it didn't make his flight feel any better. The other guy, he told, hey, you put this parachute on because if you don't put this parachute on, the plane's going down and you need this parachute because it will save your life because you're going to have to jump out of this plane. Okay, so he puts it on. He's not thinking about being comfortable and he doesn't care about what the other passengers think about him and laughing at him and mocking him for wearing a parachute 
on United or uh, Southwest Airlines, you know. He, he's not worried about that. And so he keeps it on because he didn't put it on for comfort. He put it on to save his life. Okay, that's why we come to Jesus because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And in him, we have eternal life. Jesus in John 6 had many, quote, disciples turn away from him because he started saying some really hard things. Like, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, there's no life in you. You know, and he said, he said some really hard things that, that sifted out the shallow followers that, that were accumulating of the crowds. He didn't want shallow followers. He didn't want, he didn't want this, this surface enthusiasm from fans that didn't go deep, that wasn't true discipleship. He wanted true followers who will endure the persecution uh, when it comes. And, and then he turns to his, his 12. He turns to Peter and the 12, and he says, do you want to go too? And, and, and Peter says, Lord, where else can we go? Who else? has the words of eternal life. We have come to know and believe that you are the Holy One of God. And may that be the kind of resolve that you and I have, church, that when persecution arises, when it gets hard, when it gets difficult, that we are sold out to Jesus, that we are putting all our hope and all our trust in Him, though our health may wither, though we may lose jobs, though whatever may come our way, whatever may come our way, we're going to follow Jesus. Amen? Uh, so there's rocky soil, and then there are those among thorns. There are, uh, verse 18, there are others, others are the ones sown among thorns. They are the one who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Ouch. I think all of us can relate to this one a little bit. Even as Christians, I think um, we can... Uh, struggle with with some of these things and we have to be uh, diligent to clear out those thorns we have to be diligent hearers we must be those who listen that's the big point of this parable is listen listen hear he who has ears to hear how you hear and respond to what jesus has said will determine the fruitfulness of your life and it's not just a one-time hearing it. For us, it's a daily thing. We incline our ears to our good shepherd and we listen to his voice because he's a good leader and he's speaking to us and he has a message for us. But there are cares of this world. I think all of us have been weighed down by the cares of this world, even as a Christian. where we, we can, Our relationship with God can get stifled if we let the busyness of this life draw us away. And, and distract us from spending time with the Lord and hearing his word and, and sitting at his feet. The deceitfulness of riches. Riches are deceitful. They'll tell you there's security, identity, happiness with me. Just follow me. Go after me and you'll be happy and life will be good. But then even those who have much riches find themselves empty and find life to be more difficult in many cases. Uh, they have their own set, riches have their own set of problems that come along with them. And they can be very deceiving. They promise much, but deliver little. They make terrible gods. That's why God says you can't serve money in Him. Right? So, the, 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 and then desire for other things. 
And it may, sometimes it's not even bad things. But is Christ and his kingdom our greatest desire? Can we say with David in Psalm 27, 4, One thing I desire of the Lord, and this will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and behold his beauty. Do we let that desire for the king and his kingdom drive us and move us in how we spend our time, spend our money, invest in relationships? And, and it chokes and chokes the word and becomes unfruitful. And the last one is the good soil. And I think we all want to see ourselves in this category, right? I think we all want to say, yes, I'm the good soil. But with the good soil, there is fruit that comes that is accompanied by those who hear the message, receive it. They hold on to it. Luke, in Luke's gospel, in chapter 8 of Luke, Luke tells this parable, gives an account of this parable. And he adds in, they hold fast to it. So they hear it, they receive it, but they also hold fast to the message that was shared. There's plenty of exhortations in the New Testament to holding fast to what we've heard. Um, so they hear it, they accept it, and they bear fruit. 30, 60 to 100 fold. Christians should have fruit. True Christians do have fruit accompanied with their lives. Right? In John's gospel, John says, uh, John 15, verse 8, and Jesus says, he uses the analogy, he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. In verse 8, he says, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so prove to be my disciples. You see, the fruit of a Christian's life gives witness and testimony of the authenticity of their walk and relationship with God. Some of the fruit, the Bible talks, uh, there's several places about fruit, talks a lot about fruit. Um, and, and there's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That should mark the Christian. And that should, that should be something that abounds and something that grows in our lives, that, that we should develop that more and more. Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness. Actually, First John says if you don't have love for, for others, then, then you're not a Christian. Just straight up. Love is, is the, the arch, the, 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 the main mark of the Christian. The main badge of discipleship with Jesus Christ. Um, of following Jesus Christ. Fruit also can be of the fruit of our lips, the things that we say. Jesus talked about that. What comes out of our mouth, the things that we say. Is, is what we're saying, is it true? Is it right? Is it good? Does it build up? Does it give life or does it tear down and destroy? Do we speak life because there, we have life within us? Or is it death and, and, and destructive? Fruit also can be leading other people to Jesus, other disciples. Jesus was calling his own disciples to bear fruit. In John 15:16, he says, "You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain." And so there's there's fruit of there's fruit of other people coming to Jesus and discipleship happening through your life, you leading other people to the Lord. Uh, and, and and then there's also fruit of righteousness, uh, Romans 6 talks about and so on. Um, anyways, we can say a lot about fruit. We want to be fruitful. And if we're going to be fruitful, we need to hear. We need to accept the word. And we need to continue in it. Hold fast to his words. John eight thirty one and 32. He said, uh, 
Um, John 8, 31 and 32. He who has my... Let's see. Actually, I can't believe I... If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. That's what it looks like to follow Jesus. So, so initially we hear, we accept, but then we continue in it. We abide in it and we follow him. And then we bear fruit as we do. Fruit should come from our lives. So if you're here today and you, you, you're looking at your own life through this parable, and, and maybe you, you have the question, where's the fruit? Where's the fruit of, of following Jesus? I, I just want to, first of all, say that the pressure to produce fruit doesn't have to be on you it's it comes from you trusting and following jesus receiving his words and i've never seen an apple tree a branch straining to produce an apple come on guys help me out the branch is just connected to the vine and it comes out it's fruit And so this fruit that we're talking about, fruit of the Spirit, fruit of other people's lives being impacted through you, the fruit of the things that you say, abounding in your life, that is that all stems from this knowing Jesus, following Jesus, trusting Jesus, listening, receiving, and holding fast to what he has said. And so let me close here. Take heed. To what you hear, an application. Take heed to what you hear. Today, seeds have been sown of the gospel message, of the good, the good news of the kingdom. Christ, the King, has come. He's laid down His life for you. He's died for you in your place. He's given you an invitation to be a part of His kingdom. He went to the grave. He was raised from the grave. He conquered death. He paid for your sins. He's going to come back and establish a new world, make all things new. He's going to wipe every tear from our eyes, and we will live in a perfect world with Him forever where there's perfect love, joy, peace and righteousness that's a summary of the the good message the good news of the the kingdom that has come and that will come so take heed to what you hear be a curious listener be humble seek to understand i think many of us guys can relate to uh instructions being we we get something new and we take those instructions we're like i can do this or somebody tells us how to do it, and we're like, okay, I got it, I got it, I got it, right? And then we get halfway through the project, and we realize we were not good listeners. Because what we were supposed to create looks dysfunctional. And <laughs> Am I the only guy that can relate to that? Okay. We, we think we know. We lean on our own understanding. We're like, yeah, I got it, I got it, I got it. You don't have to tell me. I watched the YouTube video, half of it. Missed a couple steps. And you get there and it's all messed up, right? And so that's a part of learning. Um, but, but Jesus says, don't, don't listen. He says, listen. Listen to what you've heard, what has been said. Listen, take heed to it, act upon it. Because if you do, more insight and understanding will come to you. If you don't act upon the, the light, the revelation that has been granted to you, even what you think you have, will be taken from you. That's what Jesus says. So hold fast to what you have heard and continue in it. Recount it. Remember. Meditate on it. And apply it. 
You know, some of us, want to, we want to go deeper theologically and understand the deep mysteries of theology and philosophy and the kingdom and of the world. And there are some simple aspects about loving people that Jesus is like, hey, you just need to focus on loving your wife, loving your kids, loving your neighbor. You need, you need to just focus on this simple thing that's very clear that I've told you to do. And you want to understand this real difficult, lofty thing out here? Love. I mean, when we stand before Jesus and... He, If he were to ask us, did you learn to love? We die, we stand before him. Did you learn to love? Can we say yes? I've learned to love. Um, Lastly is know that there's a spiritual battle going on when the word is preached. Um, Don't be discouraged. Uh, If you have, you've shared the message of the gospel with people and they haven't responded. Don't be discouraged. As, As a, you and I, Christian, who share the word with others, we're like Jesus and we're like a farmer, and we're sowing seed. While it may be discouraging that three of those four uh, soils were not producing good fruit that endured, there's still one. There's still good soil out there. There are still people out there that God is working in, that God has prepared. There are hearts that are prepared for that message, that if they hear it, they will receive it, believe it, and experience the benefits of being in the kingdom of heaven forever. So let's pray. Father, thank you for not leaving us in the dark, not leaving us to our own resources to try to figure out life ourselves, to try to provide or protect ourselves. To try to have purpose and meaning in and of ourselves. I thank you that the big questions and problems and challenges of life are dealt with through you. And we find our meaning. We find our rest. We find our provision. We find our peace. We find protection. We find our hope in your son, Jesus Christ. And so, would you take these lives, would you fill them and make something beautiful out of them? And may we be such a blessing to all those around us, family, friends, co-workers, classmates. May your kingdom spread through us for the glory of your name and the good of this world.